0: In today's episode, we spoke with a forensic investigator named Trauma Doe. Here's our conversation with her.
1: Hey, hi Doe. How are you today? Oh, I'm I'm doing
0: well. Thank you, Kathy. So what is your um your official job title?
1: My official job title is forensic investigator or medical legal death investigator.
0: Impressive. So okay. What, what do you do in that position?
1: In that position, we are the eyes and ears of the, um, the, 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 uh, the doctor, the medical examiner. So we decide whether or not, um, someone comes in for autopsy. So everybody here isn't in, you aren't automatically given an autopsy just because you died. If you have a doctor and you have, um, if you have, uh, Disease processes and are being looked after by a doctor, say you have cancer or you have um, a lethal disease or a, a disease process that would cause death, then you don't come in for autopsy that would be paid for by the state. Um, homicide is automatically considered um, something that you would come in for autopsy, a car accident, um, an overdose automatic autopsy. Firefighters automatically are entitled to an autopsy, but don't necessarily have to get one if they if the family prefers or if they have written into their will that they don't want one. Um, but an unusual death would be considered automatically getting an autopsy. If they're decomposed and unidentifiable, they would automatically get an autopsy. So the police officer would speak to the forensic investigator, the FI, as we're referred to. And if there's any question, we usually what I call call a friend, which is consult with the doctor and the doctor makes that final decision as to whether or not, you know, we discuss the matter. If they have any questions, we may call the officer back or speak with the officer on scene and ask, you know, certain questions. um, if they have history of seizures or alcoholism or drug abuse, they may automatically come in. Seizures are problematic because if they do have seizures, they have a tendency maybe to injure themselves during the seizure and they may have head head injuries that will bleed into the brain. And that's a you know, you want to rule out as you know, rule out trauma.
0: I thought that if if a death occurred at home or you know outside of a doctor's care that um autopsies were were not really required but a lot of times that's when they would do them
1: that is not necessarily true here it de- it's going to depend and it, that's why we ask questions so if someone dies at home and they are lying in bed they have a doctor And say they have um um, dementia. Dementia is considered a fatal disease, and uh there's no trauma to the body, then the officer attests to that. And I've got a list of medications and they they have seen a doctor within the last 18 months. That doctor is required by law to sign the death certificate. Okay. Now. Say they've fallen on the floor, they've got a huge bump on their head, or they fell in the last week. They were not seen by a doctor, and they do not have um, a X-ray that rules out a head trauma. Then, yeah, I'm probably going to end up having to go to a scene and take pictures and have a transport come get them just to rule that out. I had one in the last week where they did fall the night before, and EMS came and they 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 ruled out head trauma, but the doctor refused to sign the death certificate. So we brought it in. So, um, it isn't an automatic thing, but there's a lot of questions I'm going to ask of that. I'm also going to ask, especially if there's family present, do they have history of false seizures, alcohol, or drug abuse? Mm-hmm. Um, if they say they did have a prior history of drug abuse, but they were in a program or they haven't used in 10, 20 years. Um, A lot of people may have a history of drug abuse, but they're recovering. They may go to a program and there are certain people that if they've had a history of like methadone, they're taking methadone. Those people aren't going to, their brain isn't going to, produce a certain hormone and they're going to be on that they're going to be on that methadone for probably the rest of their life there's no reason for them to go that have their family put through that and i think our doctors are finally starting to turn they're finally starting to catch on to that um they're probably going to be on that and it really once they take the methadone it really only lasts about 20 minutes so um but they're finally kind, kind of catching on to hey we can rule yeah. that person out, and the reason that their doctors are giving them the methadone once a month is because they're they're truly, truly, are re- recovered from their process. Their doctors trust them; yeah. we're good. Yeah. So um, um, we do have a few of those that they'll decline and say mm-hmm. no. Go ahead and let their doctor sign. Yeah,
0: well, I have an older sister that um, passed away from a fentanyl overdose. Um, she was prescribed patches for chronic pain, and she she was an addict, um, but she was recovering. But they gave her these fentanyl patches for her chronic pain, and she died at home. That's why I was told that it was um, standard to do the autopsy, because they did do an autopsy on her. Um, but we didn't find out for six months that it was a fentanyl overdose because of the tox screen.
1: It can take up to 12 weeks here for um, toxicology to come back. And it just depends on where the tox is sent. I do draw talks on um, suicides. uh, A lot of times are left out. If we can prove, you know, if everybody on scene is good with the fact um, one guy actually videotaped his entire, he, he, recorded his attempts. Wow. He recorded the first attempt. The second attempt, he didn't record, but it was it w- there were multiple phone calls between him and a girlfriend he had just broken up with. Um, and I will draw the blood if I can get at least two full tubes. I'll send the blood in and we'll leave the body out. And um, it's, trust me when I say it's, I, I'm, I'm sweating bullets when I'm trying to draw blood um from a body and i try to keep the family I'm like stay away from the windows or stay away stay out of the room because this isn't this isn't the most pleasant of experiences but um i do have a a uh, background in emergency medicine so needles don't bother me but it isn't you know it's kind of like w- watching cpr i'd rather that the family did not it's intrusive it's invasive and i don't want to give them false hope Um, Babies are the same, you know, I would rather that the medics don't give the family false hope. Um, But a lot of times I think they're, they have this mindset where they have to take this person to the hospital because they want somebody else to give the bad news. Where I'm one of those people that's like, look, you know, let's just, you know, there's nothing that I can do. You know, and I've had to deliver that news. You know, I, do, I I was in EMS for 30 years. I've had to deliver that news a lot. And it's um, sometimes I think it's best that you just say it and let them start to process that.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: I it, agree. So who calls you? Is it the police or the hospital who calls you and tells you, can you come to the scene? Um, well, it, we have a designated, um, person that gets called and then, um, I call the officer and we get the preliminary information from the officer. And then, um, I kind of make it that, you know, there, there are kind of things that trigger that, am I going there or, um, I, and then I call I'll call downtown and um, in most cases, uh, you know, I've been doing this for seven years now. So I retired as a, a medic um, in 2014, and um, I went to work um, r- pretty much right from there doing this. So um, this isn't my first rodeo. You know, I I kind of know what dead looks like. Mm. So. Um, most often, I am not surprised that the pathologist is is pretty much going to agree with me. You know, I don't get overridden often. It happens a couple, you know, a, a, you know, a few times. But um, most often, they agree with my assessment. I know my pathologist well. I kind of know which ones are, I'll be like, who's on call, you know. And I, and I know, especially at two o'clock in the morning, nobody wants pleasantries. Let's just get to the meet. Are you ready? Are you awake? are are we ready to go? Okay, here we go. This is the history. This is what I've got. And I'm just want to know because it's their license. I'm, I'm, I'm playing off of it's them. That's going to have to deal with the aftermath. Do you want to see this person downtown tomorrow morning or do, are you okay with me just doing what I need to do? This is what I'm either going to do a scene inspection. I'm going to go out and I'm going to take pictures And then some, you know, you're based on those pictures, you're going to sign a death certificate or do you want to see them downtown or are you okay with the decline? And then we go from there. So um, it's me who has to go out at two o'clock in the morning and go to the scene of an accident and, you know, deal with the police officer standing in the middle of the street screaming at me that I have to go around. No, no, no. The velvet rope doesn't apply to me. I get to go, <laughs> you know, otherwise you're going to be standing out there for the rest of the night, you know, and we're going to go nowhere. I, you know, and then they go, Oh, yes. Come here. Come here. Come here. Um, driving on the wrong side of the road is, is, is surreal. But um, so, and that's just the way it, it plays out. So the, they call this person, this person will call me, I call the officer and then we go from there. I come back to the house because um, right now I'm I'm just an on-call person part-time and write my report, send my pictures, my report. And then if they have any questions and I've never really been called back and asked questions, um, then eventually I will see, a, um, sometimes I'll see a cause of death listed on my report. You know, and sometimes I'm surprised. Honestly, I'll think it's an overdose and it comes back as, you know, heart disease. Oh, wow. You yeah. know, um, we had one that was in a wheelchair on Christmas Day that I, for I, honest to God, I didn't, I, I was like, I have no clue. You know, I knew that he had been in a previous car accident and that he was paralyzed, but I had no clue. He had no history other than that accident. So it could have been anything. And I was just waiting to see because sometimes, but I learned, I have learned some amazing things from my pathologists. You know, they would let me come up, come here, I'll show you, you know, I'd have questions. What's, what's going on here? What's going on there. And I would learn unbelievable things from, from them and how, you know, if you want to know how something works, you take it apart and and you learn, but it is it is a surreal process when you you realize it's, a, you know, you turn around and look and this you you have to remember this is a human being mm-hmm. and someone's child. Right. But I now I deal with a lot, a lot more with families. So, yeah. About that, I was wondering, because I I have this idea that most families really do want to know what happened, even though they lost someone, that it's important for them to have for example, an auto done to, to know as much as possible or is that in your in your experience, do families of uh um often do they often want to know as much as they can about what has happened or some do, some don't. It depends. Um obviously in car accidents, uh, it the the reason is obvious. Um Sometimes, uh, usually when there are, there's family present, I will I will walk in and tell them who I am, why I'm, and why I have come to the scene because they'll say medical examiner, not realizing that I am not a doctor. I didn't play one on TV. I didn't stay at a holiday in last night. I, this this is who I am and why I'm here. I said, let me go do what I need to do for your family member and I will come back and talk to you. And um, I can usually, t- you can tell when a body's been moved because th- because of the way the blood settles and the way that rigor sets in. So if I have any questions for them, I will wait until I'm done because I usually call my transport people before I leave the house and I will, so I'll go do what I need to do tag them, make sure my paperwork is ready for transport. So if they come while I'm talking to the family, I can keep the family distracted because a lot of times they want to do their fine. They want to see the person. I try to discourage this because I wouldn't want to see that person in this form, especially if they're decomposed or... (laughs) So this is when I go to the family and I say, look, you know... If I'm not taking them or if I'm I'm going to send them directly to a funeral home, this is where I'm going to add, you know, your your family member had hypertension. They had high cholesterol. The chances are they died of, and this is probably what you're going to see on the death certificate. And I'm gonna explain why. Because I had to answer a lot of these questions when I was working full-time at that position. Families don't understand what sclerotic cardiovascular disease is. It's very difficult for them to, because doctors, first of all, doctors aren't, they, they don't get a class in bedside manner. It's obvious sometimes when you talk to them. Yeah. So you have to speak to the room, understand, read the room, understand what they're going to understand and answer their questions. Your family member had COPD. They had, I can tell by the medication that they're on that they had so the COPD means that the blood is backing up into the you know in it's not making it to the blood through the heart. It's backing up into the lungs. That's why they're coughing so much. The chances are that this this disease process did this, 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 and this. If we don't take them, you're going to have to have a private autopsy. I don't know how much that costs, but it's going to be thousands of dollars. Are you willing to do that? You are entitled to that, but I'm the state is not going to pay for this.
0: So um, I have a quick question. What is mm-hmm. the difference between a, a coroner, a medical examiner, and
1: what you do? A coroner is elected position. Okay may not be a doctor medical examiner is always going to be a doctor. It's going to be a pathologist. We don't have coroners. Nobody here is elected a forensic investigator. I know here we have to be certified is as a, um, it's a um, ABMDI it's um, a national international certification. So I had to pass the ABMDI certification in order to keep my job. I had to have it within two years. I just recertified and I'm good until 2027. Um, We have to have 40, I think it was like 40 continuing education credits in order to qualify. Um, We learn about all sorts of like, I don't know, things I remember when I was in training, um, I answered a question that the fellows were supposed to answer and I didn't realize I wasn't really paying attention. The, the assistant, um, chief had asked a question of the fellows and I answered it because, um, I'm, I've been a true crime junkie since I was probably, I wanted to be a pathologist since I was a little girl and my mother thought I was crazy. And she gave me an anatomy coloring book that I have, I've since passed down to my, my, um, um stepdaughter and um i actually answered the question correctly and none of the forensic pathology fellows knew what the answer was because the the person had been exhumed and they were looking at her fingernails and they were looking for me lines the the little stripes that are on that if you've been poisoned you'll see little stripes because your body doesn't get rid of heavy metals so if you've been if you've been poisoned, just like your hair can be tested to see if there's poison in your hair. The doctor was looking at her fingernails and I was like, oh, she's looking for me slides. And everybody just kind of looked at me and like, how did you know that? And I'm like, I, watched, I, watched, I watch, I've been watching NYP Blue and, and, you know, since I was yay high. So everybody knows what that is, right? Well, I found out when I was going through my master's program that no, millennials do not know any of this. They don't even know what a, what a um MO is. Yeah. They don't know what M- modus operandi is. Yeah. And um I I just kind of sat there and went, oh yeah. okay. And um so I literally got the job because they started quizzing me on what liver mortis, rigor mortis, algor mortis was. And I had told them a story about when I was a paramedic and they told me to bring my my, um, EKG machine in. And I said, there's no need. The woman was laying on her back with her arm in the air so rigor had already set in, and the the newly minted paramedic got very angry with me, and stormed off and packed up all his stuff and left on the fire engine, and I got in trouble. Oh. I had to go meet with my lieutenant. I was I was you know a, a professional paid firefighter, and I was like, "She's in complete rigor. There's no. There's not going to be any heart activity. I mean, it's common sense." Mm-hmm. And I was told that I needed to be a little bit more diplomatic. And that's kind of not really what I do. Mm. And I was like, you're stepping all over this guy's potential crime scene. It's, it was obvious to me that she had fallen asleep on her left side with her arm over a pillow. When they rolled her over when they took away the pillow. The arm stayed. Mm-hmm. But it's now considered a... a, a The police matter, it's no longer, and we're stepping all over their potential crime scene. And that's how I started out in this job. But then I had to take further training in order to keep it. Well, that
0: brings me to another question. There was a case that um, Jude brought to my attention. In Pennsylvania, there was um, a woman's head found. Nothing else, just her head. They tried to do DNA on it and found that it had been embalmed. Oh. So, if you exhume a body that's probably been embalmed, can you, you can't get DNA from it? I thought that was one of the reasons for doing the exhumation.
1: Not always, Well, if you have an entire body, yes, you can still do DNA testing. Okay. They do DNA testing in the long bone. So oh. it would be a femur. They would do it in the femur, but it's very expensive and it goes to Texas. Oh, okay. But obviously, a head doesn't have a femur. Right,
0: right. Yeah, this is a totally unsolved case. They don't know who the woman is. They don't know where the rest of her body is. They don't know why she was embalmed. And I believe the, the head was cut off in a way that it was medically medical precision with it.
1: So it wasn't sawed off.
0: No, I guess not. Can you, can you answer? Can you? Yeah, it was, it was cut like where the vertebrae was in the back. And they said that it was a surgical instrument that someone had to know exactly where to cut the vertebrae in the back for it to mm. come off so cleanly. Now, I don't know if it was a saw or not a saw, but they just said that someone had to know was clean cut. It wasn't
1: someone with a hacksaw in their garage. That's interesting. Cause I know there've been several dismemberments. Um, I remember going to get a torso at some point and knowing, and I, because I said something to the detective, I said, well, this is a homicide. And he looked at me and he said what and i said well you can see where her her hands have been cut clean they weren't because you can you can tell the difference between animal predation and and someone that's cut and he kind of looked at me funny and i was like what you know did i say something wrong i mean i usually don't i mean i can't i, I can all i do is describe it i don't say I don't make the judgment as to, um, yeah, I don't write into my report homicide, you know, that that's something that the pathologist adds later. I just write the description of what I find that I, we, I found, you know, um, I came when I was arrived on scene, I found a torso, you know, and the ends of the, of the arm bones were sawed clean, you know, so my description is only, that's all I put in there. You know, it's not up to me to to make any judgment calls. And if it goes to court, that's exactly what they're, you know, if, if I make any judgment whatsoever, that will be brought up in court in which I, I actually have. a am going to be testifying on Tuesday for a homicide, a homicide case. Thank you for
0: listening to today's episode. Please check back next week for part two. And if you haven't already, please subscribe so you can get notified of when our new episodes release. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at TouchByCrime. by Crime. Thanks, and we hope to see you again next week.